What's up, comic book fans? This is Pete from Comic Book Transform, where we discuss all of the streaming shows and movies that are based on your favorite favorite comic books. I'm here early on a Sunday morning with my good friend Brian Coarsehair. He's got a what a dance Gavin dance shirt on. That is correct. Yeah. Nice. You uh, went to a concert of theirs recently, and it was a really good uh, experience, right? Yeah, um, uh, I went to Swan Fest uh, in, in Philly. It was, they had an East Coast date this year. It's like a festival they put on themselves. And um, my, uh, I, I love Dance Gavin. He's one of my favorite fans. But my actual favorite band, Periphery, also played, which is always great. And my son came with me. <laughs> I know. It's so cool, man. He's been, uh, he's been coming to concerts with us lately because he wanted to. So uh, that's yeah. He's, and actually, another thing he came to us last night, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but we saw Evil Dead the Musical last night with, with Danny and Chris and all of all them and, um, in this tiny theater in Long Island. And, man, uh, I got to show you the pictures. We haven't seen them. No, I, I have not seen the pictures. I knew about the Evil Dead the Musical, though. Oh, yeah. We were all in the splatter zone. So um, uh, we all got, like, drenched. <laughs> nice, <laughs> man. <laughs> Wait, so Is Brandon it, went to that, though? Yeah, this is the second time actually too, which is funny. Damn, man, your kids having a more active social life than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason why I don't have an active social life is because uh, there's 75 streaming shows for us to cover right now. Yes, and and um, you know we have Doom Patrol today. Doom Patrol came back after a hiatus. We're watching the second half of the fourth season. Uh, also, in future videos, we're going to be discussing Loki and also gen v but right now brian and i are going to jump into doom patrol for the fourth season and already four episodes of street been streaming on uh hbo max we're yeah. actually up to go ahead no i was gonna say it's funny that we're covering four episodes and there's only two left right 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 but you know what that's the thing is that we love this show um we've been covering it pretty much since we've had a channel and um even though like we kind of started later in the show we we Pretty much covered every season, I think. Um, did we do season one, or do we just kind of glaze over in one episode? Maybe. Yeah, I think we did like kind of like a recap of the whole recap, season. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because you messaged me when you started watching it again, and you were like, "Wait, what is going on?" And honestly, there are a few plot threads where I'm like, I, I don't really understand where this started, and I don't, I don't know what's going on exactly. Yes, um, and I think I did eventually remember it because so the, the plot board in question here was uh, we we see Rita and Rouge and they're they're coming back from somewhere and uh, Rita has like green goo on her from somebody she killed I guess accidentally so I think this was like some kind of like mosquitoy guy in in the ant farm. Okay, I don't remember why they were there though, which is kind yeah. of terrible. Um, the, the one, the one complaint I'm going to levy here against the show is that, uh, much like the, the, the second season, uh, finale, and which was a little more understandable because, you know, they, they, they had to shut down for COVID and they just shrunk together what they did. Uh, I feel like this, the first episode should have been with the last batch because mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. kind of wrapped up everyone and uh, everything in that other, other dimension and all those things. And the, it kind of like. You know, and, and and that episode ended with the the resurrection of Immortus and the reappearance of Isabel Feathers, which I was not expecting whatsoever. No, and, um, and I think it should have ended there. 
mm-hmm. you know, last time. And maybe, maybe they weren't finished. I don't know. But um, it, it, th- I think that's a problem is that, you know, it's been a year and we, we left off on, you know, the, the pen, penultimate episode of the cliffhanger, you know? Yeah, that's a really, really good point. You know, I don't know the logic behind decisions that they make on shows like this. And I feel like for a show like this, which is like so like it just feels like so untouched from like executives and stuff like where they can just do whatever they want and be as fucking irreverent and weird as they want. It's it's interesting, like what choices they make, like because I, I personally feel like just having that gap for so long, it's, it's very hard to kind of get back into the show. Because it is kind of confusing, you know, like I know that when we talk today, you're going to remind me of things just because you're good at this kind of stuff. But like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it, it just seems like there was such, such a long time since the last part of the season. And then it, there's not like some kind of refresher. Now, there's a previously on, but yeah. you're you're just sort of, sort of supposed to think like, oh, yeah, we were just at this point. Like, um. All the stuff with Immortus, for instance, right? I know that they probably were in the ant farm because um, the guy who's from Battlestar Galactica, and I know I should have wrote down this fucking actor's name. He's like the John Constantine for Doom Patrol. You know who I'm talking about? Oh, uh, um, yeah, Mark Shepard. Right, right, right. Mark Shepard's the actor. Perfect. Yeah. He basically like finds out that Immortus is coming back or, or Mortis is coming and he goes to warn the Doom Patrol and there's this sort of like fear that there's going to be this like where but apocalypse but there's also going to be this Immortus part of the apocalypse as well and I think that um Rita and Rouge go to investigate like like what Immortus is or whatever and that's what takes them to the ant farm um but were you expecting that Isabel Feathers to be Immortus? No, I was not. And uh, just bef- before I answer that question, too, uh, just on the flip side, you know, we're, we're kind of complaining about the, the, the time gap here. But at the same time, I'm just grateful the show gets a chance to finish, <laughs> um, especially given the climate on of HBO oh, well, Max or HBO, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was shocked, and you know, I when I first saw like Rita says it, it it's Isabel fucking feathers, and I'm like, and I, I didn't hear it at first. So I'm like, wait a minute, this this girl looks familiar. I had to rewind it and like and like it, you know hear it again and put closed captioning on, and then I'm like, oh, I kind of remember her now. That's the one that Rouge pushed in the in the the, the hole from the time machine. Yeah, yeah, um, I... and I, I remember she also played you know the uh, she, she played. Rita in, in the, the the Cloverton play of about the the, the, the attack that happened with the donkey yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this show is like so weird. It's so so fucking weird because some stuff it adapts directly from like Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol run and stuff from Gerard Way's Doom Patrol run. And it's like very faithful to it, and you're like, oh, okay, I, I know what that is. And then other stuff is like. It's just, it seems like kind of like story beats that they made up for like a random episode. And then I guess like th- things stuck and they're like, oh, I like this. Let's really go into this. And like, it, it's almost kind of more of that than the regular comic book adaptation. Yeah, I, I think that happens when you when you adapt something and you start to go off the rails. Uh, you, you know, you kind of have to follow through with it sometimes. And yeah. you know, it, it can lead to 
good things, honestly. Um, I, I, I unfortunately have not read enough of the actual Doom Patrol comics to be able to completely tell what's original and what's not all the time. Right. But, um, I, I obviously we obviously read some, so yeah, like things that are original for the show, I think, are like Isabel Feathers, and I think like the town of Cloverton itself is like just for the show. The Ant Farm is from the comics, but I think like the Wear Butts, I think that's for the show. You know, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's one of the things I'm not sure about. <laughs> yeah, it just must be like a really interesting writers' room where the people are just sitting around and being like, "Okay, well, you know, we created these wear butts. What if we show like one part of an episode where there's one butt that's been living with this scientist woman for years, and they have a family or they have a life together, you know?" And then it's it's like we're gonna treat it like it's sort of like you know uh, a spy or something or like a uh, immigrant with this woman, and it's it's just a butt talking to this woman. It's just so ridiculous, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are there things like complaints you have about the show? We should point out to people too that we're gonna a be talking about spoilers and b um, just kind of like doing general reviews of the first four episodes. So, like. This, is there anything that bothers you about this show? No. <laughs> Honestly, no. Um, it. Uh, I, I guess at times they they can. No. I, I, no. Honestly, no. I was trying to think of something, but it's a really weird show, and I just think I like it because it's a weird show. <laughs> I, 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 I. They could almost do no wrong because they they do hit these kind of like weird notes, but they hit these really deep emotional notes too, and uh, I, I I like I like that combination um I, I guess when i initially started watching this i expected like a little bit more action i suppose but and uh i'm i'm shocked that they're able to come up with so much out of you know the the trauma of these people and because it, it really is these this it's, it's extremely serialized um yes. and and they've built upon these these uh these events in these people's lives and i i if you would have told me that that they're still kind of going on about this almost the same issues but in different ways or in depth in greater depths i would have been surprised yeah um, you know when i first started watching it but i honestly i love it i'm gonna be sad when it's over um to, for me uh you, you know the, the 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 first no it's not the first what are the actual numbers of these episodes like so okay we're seven eight nine and, and ten, ten. Yeah. okay so like Seven and eight and and ten are you know good episodes. They're standing, but like the musical episode, that's what I really wanted to talk about because it's so fucking weird. But it's it so is. great. Yes, yes, <laughs> and and I think that's it's it's funny, right? Because um, you know, many many times I talk about how like two of the creators from Supernatural are like the people that make some of the most interesting shows right now or genre shows right now. And, uh, you know, Eric Kripke has Gen V and the boys, and we're going to talk about that in another video. And then um, Jeremy Carver has this show. And it's so funny because, like, Supernatural, like, there's so many seasons of it. There's so many episodes. There's, like, a mythology to it that they, you know, go to every season. But they always would focus on this kind of issue of, like, the brothers and the brothers kind of betraying each other, the brothers doing things for each other because they love each other, but then they end up keeping secrets from each other. And it's just like what you just said, where like 
regardless of little plot details, um, you know, Cliff is always kind of in one scenario. Reed is always in one scenario. Uh, Vic is always in one scenario. It like, they're always in some state of just sort of depression or existential crisis. And it's, it's, it's always based on the same kind of issue, but there's just like different sides of that issue. Yes. You know, so uh, why don't we just go ahead and pick a character, kind of talk about where their issue has brought them recently. And, um, you know, just we'll, we'll just do each character on the team. So um, which of the Doom Patrol do you want to discuss first? I have no idea. Uh, Cliff's always a good place to start because we, we love Cliff. Yeah, uh, Cliff. And, and uh, honestly, anytime that Brendan Fraser is, is on set, it's just fantastic. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, he, he made his way into this uh, Immortimus Patrol episode, episode nine, the, you know, the musical episode. Um, I think the reason why I was referencing Supernatural 2 is because Supernatural did have a musical episode and Supernatural was clearly... Um, inspired by Buffy too and Buffy had a musical episode as well yes uh you, you can definitely see that but although there's a lot more uh <laughs> the subject matter's a bit different and there's a lot more cursing yes yes <laughs> and, um, and, so, oh, no I was gonna say um also like I know I'm just trying to think off the top of my head like what shows had like full musical episodes and I think that recently uh Star Trek Strange New Worlds or whatever that one had a musical episode too recently like it, it seems like when a show really just kind of cares about the fan base and like isn't trying to hit certain numbers, it's just like there to fit a very niche audience. I think they, they do weird things like this musical episode. Yeah, agreed. Um, but it, it was honestly one of my favorites. Um, so we're talking about Cliff here. Um, I, I think one of the, the big things to talk about with him is, you know, the fact that he willingly gave up his longevity here. You know, to get back to his uh, his daughter and, and grandchild, his grandson, grandson, um, and that was kind of like a big. I, I was a little surprised actually. I mean, I, I kind of figured that Immortus had to get resurrected here, but um, I was surprised that Cliff kind of gave in so willingly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I think like you know we're we're doing character by character, but like I, I asked you if you had any problems with the show. I actually really am kind of bothered by the Immortus being Isabel Feathers thing because I like that they do callbacks to other parts of the show and that there's things that like just organically have evolved on the show. But like Isabel Feathers as a character, it's just like not enough to me. It's not interesting. It's not compelling. Like there's stuff on the show that really is interesting and like deep, like all the stuff with like Niles Calder and his daughter and then like how like him experimenting on this people is like connected to his daughter and like her weird condition. That's all interesting stuff. But Isabel feathers, I don't know. It's just, it, it feels like they're trying to make a bigger thing out of something that's not really enough. You know what? Um, that was my first impression, but it's grown on me. Uh Oh, uh -oh. Oddly. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I think this is the exact kind of thing that, you know, antagonist that this show needs, like mm -hmm. or, or can can use. Um, I you know the, the DC version of Immortus is like an old general dude, and I just don't think it would have worked like that. So Agreed. I think it needed to be some weird fucking callback, and I I, I think it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Well, then you know, Cliff, he he 
is part of this thing that that brings her back to life. And, you know, for, for the episodes that we watched, for these four episodes, basically for Cliff, it's like he is being affected by Parkinson's, even though he literally is just a fucking brain in a robot body. And then um, he wants to essentially, like, live part of his life that he never got to experience because of his vices, because he had a car accident. He wants to, like, experience life with his daughter and his grandson. And um, it kind of guides his decisions. And he'll, like, doom the whole world just so he can have that experience again. Like, each of these characters is very selfish and, and like, weak. Um, and it's funny, too. Just one point I want to make up, too, is that there's there's barely ever any fucking action on the show ever yeah like ever any action like yeah i mean if there's some action in an episode it's it's unique yes yeah yeah uh, it, it's very rare um and and it's very rarely has robot men doing anything too in that regard yeah. usually like you know the cyborg do something or um maybe jane using one of her personas uh or, or rita stretching or something like that you right. know Larry and Keith, they just kind of fly around and use some special effects, so they don't really do much action-wise. No. So. Yeah. So, so it, it's funny because they all kind of act almost like old people to begin with, even when they're not you know, that's like one thing that always kind of stood out for this show that I thought was so great was it's just like them just sitting around this house, just kind of in their own worlds being miserable, and then they just kind of come together for these little random misadventures. Yes. Yeah. So um, with Cliff, though, <laughs> you talked about Brendan Fraser coming back. And I just keep thinking about this song where Brendan Fraser is talking about jerking off to porn on the, you know, computer. He's jerking off to immortimus porn. Yes, yes. Because it was a Christmas episode sort of at the same time. Yes. Oh, God. And, and just, you know, just the, the synchronized dancing and all that, and the seeing Brendan Fraser doing all that, I, I'm I was in awe of it. I, I, you know, when you're watching something by yourself, and even when it's funny, like, like you're watching a comedy by yourself, you know, you, you don't kind of laugh out loud. Really, you laugh yeah. when it's other people with you and you're enjoying it together. Or blah blah blah. Yeah, I yeah. laughed out loud so many times by myself in this episode, usually yeah. around Brendan Fraser, <laughs> but um, yes. but it 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 was it was fantastic. Um, I, I do realize we had to kind of speed up these things here though so um the other thing to mention about cliff is that they, they everyone's kind of finding out that he didn't kill that wear butt and it, it's gotten out and that's kind of coming to light uh now too yes yes yeah i i love him singing i want to drive my stick or whatever the fuck he's singing you know because every, every kind of song by each character kind of fits a different genre and he's got this sort of like rock opera song and at one point there's like fucking cum tissues just falling from the sky like snow it's fucking perfect. Um, that's the second time I've said come on one of our shows in the past two weeks. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. The other part was um, for a fall of the House of Usher on the last cast with Danny, if you guys want to check that out. But um, as, as far as Cliff goes, the, the, the most recent episode, him and uh, Jane try to take a road trip to Florida for him to go see his grandson and his daughter. And just because of his Parkinson and because of her like uh, potential dementia, they can't make it. They can't do one of their uh, road trips. And it's like something that you've kind of grown to expect on the show. Like, oh, they're going to just drive really far to go to this place. Or they're going to teleport over here and have this little adventure. But now, because of their old age catching up to them, they can't. Yeah, and then it, it kind of drives this kind of beautiful moment where they're all, you know, all apart. And they all kind of come back together. And they all realize that, you know, they need each other and their family. And that they need to, 
you know, do things together. And, you know, they eventually, you know, the, the four main characters that, that have been with, with us the entire time, Cliff, Jane, Rita, and Larry, uh, they realized that they left kind of, they kind of left Rouge out to die, uh, out to dry. And then they went to go help her confront Amoris because she was trying to get their longevity back for them. Yeah. 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 They, like I said, they, they make all these like selfish decisions and it could ruin the whole world, but also like it could just really fuck over their friends. And yeah, yeah. Like Rouge is sort of like this consequence. It, it's interesting. We could kind of use that as a segue into Rouge. Uh, she's definitely like front and center in these four episodes here. Yeah, agreed. It, it, it's funny because like Rita and Rouge both have like these big issues with um, Isabel Feathers you know, Rita has it because, like, Isabel Feathers, their paths kind of always cross, and, like, you know, they're both, like, kind of actresses or people that want fame in some kind of way. And then with Rouge, it's like she just accidentally potentially killed Isabel Feathers. And, um, you know, she's she's constantly dealing with being a bad person and the repercussions of it. And I think by the time you get to this, this last episode, it's like she's potentially going back to the Brotherhood of Evil or they're doing, like, a new version of it. Yeah, it it sounds like she she may have been turning again. We have we don't know. Yeah, but it, it, it's funny because like for her act or her part of the show, it's always her kind of trying to be like the good person and and trying to motivate the team to do something. Like we've seen it kind of with Rita, where she's trying to be the team leader and she's trying to get everyone to do stuff, and the, the rest of the team's like, oh, I don't want to fucking go on an adventure. And now like Rouge is kind of doing that, and um, you know, Niles sort of did that at one point too. It's funny because it's always like there's some kind of leader that wants to lead this team of misfits and they just are always so fucking in their own heads or up their own wear butts that they can't fucking come together as a team and do something. Yeah. 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 So uh, was there anything you wanted to say about Rouge, too? I know we got to keep moving. Yeah. No, that, that, that covers the, the gist of it. Yeah. Nice. So what do you think about Larry and uh, Mr. 104? Um, yeah, I mean, Larry's whole thing is that he was, you know, he was closeted and he went through this horrible, perfect experience and, you know, he he's, hasn't been able to have love and he's kind of found it. Um, but he's dying, you know, he finds it and he's dying. And then, uh, Mr. 104, uh, Rama, whichever name you prefer, uh, Mohinder, Mohinder from Heroes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he's also now dying too. So, um, because because he's like destabilizing and and uh, I I thought you know there's a plot point where you know I, I think he's gonna come back honestly too, um, Mr. One Hundred Four. Uh, he was supposed to go off and see his family or whatever, and then just kind of dissipate into whatever he's turning into. Um, but they, they keep mentioning you know Larry has a boyfriend and and uh, and, and I, I guess that that kind of signals to me he'll be back, but. Um, you know the, the two things of Larry is is was him, and then also Keek, and what what to do about that if if he passes away. So at one point he's like digging his own grave in the garden, and then Mister One Hundred Four says like, no, that this isn't good enough for Keek to to live on. You got to find something better, and that's kind of driving him at this point. Yeah, yeah, the whole Keek thing is is really interesting too, and just like you know, at, at some point he he's kind of like the way it's basically gone with the show for larry is if, if you're not looking at all this weird comic book stuff if you're just looking at it as like what this is all a metaphor is for it's like he was a closeted gay man who had a family and he really put up this illusion of being a straight man and like he's in the military and stuff but he like secretly wants to be this gay man and, and be with men and um 
you know, this entity kind of comes into his life. And if this was just like a straight up drama or like some sort of independent movie, instead of having this sort of radiation creature that possesses him, it would just be sort of this like exotic kind of lover that you can't really put a pin on. You'd be like, okay, this is weird. And this person does weird things, but it, it kind of forces him to have to be different. And so, so the entity that the father of Keeg or whatever, the thing that had Keeg with him, you know, that he was dealing with that for like the first few seasons and then that went away and then like they created Keeg together and then it's kind of become like, well, this sort of exotic lover that this thing stands in for is gone, but now he's essentially like a single parent and that's driving his decisions. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think in terms of the, the comics, like they, they don't have the budget to, to really go into all like the negative space and all this other stuff. So they kind of have distilled it into that, um, like you said, like the single parent thing. Yeah, right, right, right. And it works, you know. Honestly, the stuff that they do with each of the characters, I'm really my only complaint for this show is the Isabel Flowers thing. But because otherwise, everything they do with each of the Doom Patrol characters, including Cyborg, and maybe even especially Cyborg, I actually like prefer to their comic book counterparts. Yeah, uh, and I, I guess this is a good segue for Cyborg. Um, you know, I I was shocked that he took that step of, you know, in, in the middle of the season to have his parts covered up or partially removed or whatever and have this synthetic skin, and uh, it, which is, is weird because, you know, in the comics, Cyborg is on the Justice League, but here he's kind of like a nobody or hasn't been yet. Mm-hmm. Um and, you, you know, the, the big thing is he makes the decision that, you know, he has something to contribute to the world and he's going to do it as Cyborg. Uh, and I thought that was really cool. And, and you know, the, the the thought process is, you know, he's this half man, half monster, like his monster is looking thing. And he, he cut when, when this accident happened, he cuts himself off from his, his former life because he's so traumatized by it. And then now he's choosing to embrace it and grow into something bigger. And I think that that's a nice way of wrapping up and closing out this character's arc on the on the show um obviously in the comics cyborg's not on the doom patrol i mean uh, traditionally it's beast boy uh i i still don't understand why they 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 did that swap like uh to me it would have made more sense to have uh cyborg on teen titans and beast boy here um you know whatever but i don't know if i'd change that now you know (laughs) yeah yeah uh, this is my kind of like very cynical side, and I'd hate to say this, but like I feel like each show, like Titans and this, is like they have to have like at least one African American character just to have, make it more diverse. And I think you know if they had Starfire was like an African American actress, and then um, you know they they already have Beast Boy on that team, so they're like, okay, well let's get an African American character on here. And um, you know, there is a, a character from the Grant Morrison version of the Doom Patrol, and I think there's another, like, a different character in the Gerard Way one where they're they're African-American, but I just think that, like, they don't stand out as much as, like, like, even, okay, we should point out that, like, the majority of comic book fans probably couldn't even name each of the Doom Patrol characters by, like, their superhero name, and, like, let alone their, their regular identity names, um, but... I really don't think that like see, I can't even remember the fucking African American guy from the Grant Morrison run and on the guy from the Gerard Way run. So like they're like, oh well, we need someone with more name or recognition. So they just pick Cyborg. I think maybe, <clears throat> maybe, yeah. 
What I love about our, our discussions is that I do these like long blathering explanations and then you go, yeah. <laughs> you know? well, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to kind of get us to speed through here because I know we're taking longer than we, we wanted to here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, um, I, I know, I know, I know. It's because there's so much shit to cover, you know, in these four episodes. But then it, does, it also feels like there's not that much to cover. But like, um, so, so with Cyborg, I was gonna say to you though, don't you feel like, um, that when he came back, that was a really awesome moment. Yes, he comes back in the last second because uh, you know the warbucks show up, um, and then talking about you know, you mentioned before one of the plot lines that you just don't remember from previously, um, with Teddy. Uh, the werebutt who's I guess Nicholas and is Nicholas's son was yeah. married to the doctor and I don't remember I don't remember any of that <laughs> yeah yeah but, there's there's something where like a zombie bit a butt and yeah like, and I oh I, I have to say too like I didn't I I love that the zombies walked onto the scene and then they turned into werebutts I don't I don't think I even realized that I thought they were just I mean I, I thought the zombie werebutts were just Whereabouts there were zombies. Like I, I didn't realize. I mean, I guess the the name Where is still there, so you're implying the change. But um, I think that was the first time we saw them do that. I guess so. I was surprised that I just appreciated that. Yeah, it was really cool when they changed. Actually, that yeah. was like a good action shot. Yeah, and then they're just basically swarming the team. It's like all Cloverton has become these whereabouts, and this apocalypse is basically happening. Um, so so let's just uh, make sure we cover everybody, though. So we did everybody, and we can kind of wrap it all up with uh, uh, Jane, right? So, uh, so We didn't do Rita, Rita either, but, I mean, Rita's story kind of ties in with Rouge a lot, and she's just mainly trying to keep people together. Um, she's aging the fastest, and, you know, she's the kind of the catalyst here that, that gets everybody back together and then on the same path, which I appreciate. Yes, and, and just a little side note with that is, I, I don't recommend eating like a meal while you're watching Doom Patrol because like I was eating my breakfast I think and they did that scene where she like let loose her pants and then or her dress or whatever and then like just like turn into half just chunky flesh blob yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so funny that they they do such gross things with her she's such a beautiful actress but they do such gross demeaning things with her it's ridiculous yeah yeah um okay so anyway uh so. Jane, Jane, her story has gotten really intertwined with Casey's story. Yeah, so um, Jane's big thing is that she's kind of lost the connection with the underground, and she's gotten in there, uh, and then everybody seems to be turned to dust. Um, she seems to be trapped, and then somehow Casey is there and gets her out. I, I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand how that happened. I don't even really exactly remember where. Casey and Dorothy went. They left after the musical episode, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did, yeah. And I don't remember what happened. I mean, I guess everyone kind of went their separate ways, but we haven't seen them come back yet in the most recent episode. So I'm, I'm curious as to where they end up and how they come back into the picture. But, um, yeah, the, you know, Jane is, is, is experiencing dementia. She's hearing a voice saying to, to say it. We don't know what saying it is. I mean, it's possible we're supposed to, but we don't remember. <laughs> right, 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 right. I, yeah, I mean, maybe it has to do with her father, you know, her father that would, like, sexually abuse her. Because I think they did show clips of, of him, too, in one of these episodes, too. Yeah, but I still don't know what say it means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you and me both, man. I wonder if there's, like, any, like, really hardcore Doom Patrol fans 
that like know all this shit. It's like their favorite show, and they could easily answer these questions for us. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, I wish we could. I it, right, right, I and mean, you know, we'll only have like one episode to cover next time, so I think it'll be a lot easier to focus. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But I, I do like one of the things that's really cool about the Jane part is that they really use the metaphor of like puzzle pieces and that she is a puzzle because she has all these different pieces. And I, I really like that they did this thing where it's like it, it was a puzzle or she had multiple puzzles, but they're like um, blank or they, they don't have any color. So it's hard to figure out like, well, what picture am I making? I think that's such a great metaphor. And then it's really interesting that Casey is the one that gets her on the path to fixing the puzzle. She's like, oh, well, I noticed they all have like the same shape or something. She, she's organized them into piles of shapes. And um, what's something that happens on the show very frequently is that like one character will try to help another character. And then that, that character is so like in their own head and so miserable that they chew them out. And, uh, you know, Casey's trying to help Jane. And then Jane's like, oh, fuck you. You know, you're getting into my life. You, I don't even know. You're not even real. And, um, you know, the idea is that these people eventually do come to appreciate the people that are trying to help them. That's like a big part of this show. Yeah. And, and, and obviously there's some kind of romantic thing going on with them. Yeah. They've kind of been hinting at, at Jane's sexuality for a while there with um, the, the fog lady uh, previously. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and now this, which feels a little out of left field with the, this character in particular. But I'm, I'm guessing, um, you know, the, the fact that that uh, she can get into the underground is is, is a big contributor to that and uh also with the very the, one of the last things we see is the those puzzle pieces actually coming together on their own which, which was um i'm sure will come into play later yeah 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 um i, I guess one last thing and then we can kind of wrap this video up is how do you think it's going to end for all these characters like i feel like they, they can't let them just like age out and die even though that kind of I, I actually would be satisfied with that but i think I, that, go ahead yeah no no finish no, it's just um, I, I feel like there's still two episodes left, and I think that like they kind of need like a second win, or they need some kind of energy to like physically do something. I just don't think they can just like kind of age out and die. But I, I actually would be satisfied with that. I I think that that is what's going to happen. Actually, uh, I think that's that's the most that'll be the most satisfying way for the show to end. Mm. I think if they get their longevity back and they just are kind of stuck in their same ruts, it's going to be slightly disappointing. But I I mean. Maybe not that disappointing. It's a possibility. I mean, those are really the two options. It's, they get the longevity back and they're kind of still doing what they're doing and they still exist or they kind of all age out and, you know, go out in a blaze of glory sort of. Hmm. Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, you, you really wanted to talk about the musical episode and we didn't really talk about it much besides Cliff jerking off. But at the very end, Isabel Flowers sings this song about how they're doomed. And and the rhythm of the song matches the theme of the show. You know, the, the well, I mean, literally and metaphorically, like it literally matches the Doom Patrol theme song. But then it's also yes. like you're, you're doomed. And, it, it, you know, honestly, with the Doom Patrol characters in the comics, but especially in the show, it's this idea that like they've had this tragic accident that essentially would just end their lives. But Niles has essentially like kept them in this limbo state where they're kind of like paused in their death. And now it's like, they've been taken off pause and they're going to die now. I mean, that, that kind of says it all there, doesn't it? Like, you know, they have to, they have to die by the end in two episodes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And I think that like, maybe we'll get some kind of weird thing where like Cliff can like touch his grandson 
or like somehow his grandson's able to interact with him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Human. They're absolutely going to get satisfying end. They're going to get character arc completing end, but they are going to end like literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They know it's going to end. Well, I think that's a good cue for us to end this video. So uh, Brian and I have been covering Doom Patrol for a while. we got two episodes left. We're going to do one each next. So make sure you guys are checking in every week. But besides that, also make sure you check out our Loki and uh, Gen V videos. While well, those are still going on too. All right, so we'll see you guys next week.